everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Wrestling Archives podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here, as always. We hope you caught our recent episode on the uh, WCCW Memorial Parade of Champions in honor of David Von Erich. That was a great show. Fantastic Ric Flair versus Kerry Von Erich main event. It was a lot of fun to talk about and uh, talk a little bit about the history of the Von Erichs in Texas wrestling. Uh, we've got a super exciting guest for you today. He's a well-respected independent wrestler with a career going back more than 20 years in a variety of promotions. I'm not going to read them all because we'd like to uh, wrap up this recording sometime this decade, but he's held multiple championships in the NWA, New York Wrestling Connection, Extreme Wrestling, Stars and Stripes, Championship Wrestling, and most recently and most relevant for our discussion today, he was the VCW US Liberty Champion. He's also faced a who's who of wrestling names, including Mike Mondo, Adam Cole, Homicide, Goldust, Bobby Fish, Drew Gulak, Christopher Daniels, Orange Cassidy, Joe Gacy, Roderick Strong, Eddie Kingston, MJF, and dozens more. You can see him in action uh, next for VCW when they return to Hampton. The Hampton High School, Saturday, March 9th, uh, featuring special guest Teddy Long, playa. You can get uh, Teddy's autograph at the show. Uh, tickets and information available at the VCW website, which is VCW Pro Wrestling. Wrestling.com. Those shows are always a great time, so I hope you'll go check it out and see our guest. Uh, and welcome to the show, the Greek God Papadon. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Uh, what an intro. You know, the <laughs> only person that probably could have done it better was Helen Keller, but I digress. <laughs> oh, um, man. <clears throat> thank you for having harsh. me. Seriously, pleasure's all harsh. yours. Not even two minutes in, and we get a Helen Keller burn. Ouch. Uh, by the way, I, I was the greatest, longest reigning VCW US Liberty Champion. Thank you. That is that is a true statement. You guys can look it up on the interwebs. Uh, our guests would tell no lies, uh, so we, we're just going to assume that it's true. Exactly. I, I, I'm always right. I, I tell that to my wife. Even when I'm wrong, I'm right because I'm right about being wrong. So there we go. That's right. Um, so the uh, the show, March 9th, Hampton High School, you're facing Chris Slade and Dirty Money in a three-way match. Those are two very different opponents. you got uh, sort of speed and uh, athleticism with um, with old Chris Slade, and you got kind of, I don't know, technical ability and power with Dirty Money. So how are you prepping to take those two guys on at the same time? It's going to be a tough challenge. I'm not going to lie. I never do. Um, I'm probably going to do like 500 Hindu squats every day. Uh, Hindu push-ups. I'm going to run uphill both ways with one leg, you know, with no shoe on in the snow. You know, train like Rocky from Rocky Four. I don't know what I'm going to do, bro. I mean, fact is this. They're lucky to be in the ring with me. At the end of the day, it's very simple. We have Chris Slade, who I need to really, really, really get my hands on because last time, I'm not gonna. Get, I'm not gonna front. The kid got the best of me because I took my eye off the ball for one split second. I didn't think my foot was on the second rope when when I was on the on the, on the sitting on the turnbuckle. And that one look down, he ended up jumping up the rope, hit me with some Spanish fly, and knocked me out for five seconds. He was able to capitalize the victory. So kudos to you, son. I will not make that mistake again. And then we have Dirty Money. Seasoned veteran, very skilled technician, most importantly, one of the strongest men I've ever been in the ring with. Great for Herculean physique. Him and I go way back, uh, like the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. That's a little biggie reference, who also died on March 9th, so there you go. Um, he, uh, I don't know, him and I, we go back 20 years ago. We had our first match at uh, 21 years ago, maybe, uh, at JCW, Jersey Championship Wrestling, when I was in a tag team uh, called The Solution. Myself and my brother Havoc, uh, may he rest in peace at Toscano. And we wrestled uh, Dirty Money and Julius Smokes, a.k.a. J-Train. And uh, ever since then, him and I have been doing the deal wherever, whenever, and it's always a good time. Except that one time where he stole the VCW U.S. Liberty Championship from me because I never, ever said I quit. Yeah, I was there for that show. I I I didn't hear it. Uh, you know, the, that ref looked uh, highly suspect to me. He was definitely a, a bit of a homer. Uh, I think I think there may have been some shenanigans there. So I hope you're able to kind of get your uh, get your revenge on old Dirty Money and on Chris Slade, uh, assuming you can uh, you know get. Not assuming. Once you get past these two, thank uh, you. These two guys. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't even. I don't need to qualify this stuff. Um, what would be next for the Greek God? Is there anybody in VCW you'd really like to uh, like to face off with after that? Um, 
There's a few people. I mean, I'm not going to lie. VCW has one of the most talented rosters in professional wrestling now. And even though it doesn't have the budget of a WWE or an AEW, they definitely have the talent. And they put on tremendous shows. So it's an honor to be with them for so long. And hopefully I'll continue to be with them for years to come. But point being is this. There is a championship that I would like to reclaim. And that's the U.S. Liberty Championship. And that's obviously around the waist of Brandon Scott. So, Brandon, watch your back. And then the heavyweight championship. And it'd be nice to hold them at the same time and be the first double crown champion in VCW history. And make history, like the Greeks always do. So, if Joe Keyes is a champ, I know he's a buddy of mine. It's the wrestling business, not wrestling friendship. If he's not the champ after March 9th, whoever whoever gains the championship, watch your back. Watch your ass, because the Greek's coming. Yeah, well, I hope you get your chance to... Uh... You know, take take uh, take a shot at whoever is holding that belt after March 9th, be uh, Joe Keys or, or whoever it's it's going to be. So Rich is going to um, hop us in the time machine here a little bit and, and talk about how you got how you got your start. Yeah, so let's uh, let's rewind here. And um, so, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in the beautiful state of New York, Queens, New York, to be specific. Um, so that's where I grew up. My parents came here from Greece, the Greek immigrants. And yes, I am Greek, even though I look Puerto Rican. And no, I'm not Italian in any way. I don't deal with any pizza, no Little Caesar. I don't even know where that started from. But regardless, I am Greek. Grew up in Queens, New York. Yeah, I mean, the the, the Little Caesar stuff, even if they're going after you with Caesar salad, man, like, it's still, that's one that's Roman. And two, Caesar salad was invented in New York City anyway. So, um, anyways, let's let's not let's not get hung up on on the stupid fan burns that they hit you with here. Um, so, when did you first realize you wanted to become a wrestler? When I was a wee lad, meaning that I, when I was growing up in Queens, obviously I liked wrestling, um, and everybody in New York was a big WWF fan, and I liked the WWF, but I was a huge. Huge fanboy for Jim Crockett Promotions and the NWA. And I saw a match on Channel 11 at the time was uh, WPIX, which is the CW now. It was the NWA Power Pro. And the match was Sting and Ric Flair. And it was just a TV match. And I saw the match and I fell in love. Uh, And I said, that's it, I'm going to be a wrestler. And then maybe a month later, a couple weeks later, I don't know the exact time frame. I watched it again and it was Sting versus... Mike Rotundo, who was in the varsity club, and he was a TV champion. And his his gimmick was that you have to beat him into 10 minutes or whatever the, the time limit was. So people would last the 10 minutes and get the best of him. He'd make him look like a million dollars, but he'd keep the belt and get some heat. Sting beat him within the time frame and won $15,000 in a bag. And I remember going up to my mother in the kitchen. She was washing dishes. And I go, Mom, I know what I want to be when I grow up. Her being a Greek immigrant, you know, was probably thinking, doctor, lawyer, my son's going to make a better life for himself. I'm like, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And she looked at me and says, go play with your toys. And I felt like Ralph, I felt like Ralphie from Christmas Story when they, 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 everyone kept telling him, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. Man, 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 man. Uh, Mike Rotunda is one of our favorites on this show, by the way. He is an incredible worker. Just oh yeah, absolutely. Every single one of his matches, he looks phenomenal and makes everybody else look phenomenal. Also, that dude sweats a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if we were to believe the internet, it looks like you trained with Mikey Whipwreck and Homicide, right? Correct. I started my career with Homicide. He's my main trainer at the LIWF Doghouse in Brooklyn, New York. And when the doghouse closed, I continued training at NYWC, and Mikey was the head trainer there. He would polish me up, teach me a thing or two here or there. And then one time when I went to WWE as an extra, I said, hey, Mikey, because um, it was myself, Silver, Reynolds, Nice. We were like the four staples of NYWC at the time. And um, I said, hey, when they ask me who trains me, is it okay if I use your name as one of my trainers? I go, because besides Homicide, you're the only guy's learning tree I ever sat under. He's like, yeah, kid, use my name. If he helps you get a job, go ahead. I said, thank you. So I've been very fortunate to sit under both those learning trees because, in my opinion, 
those two guys are the godfathers of Northeast Independent Wrestling because anybody who's anybody came from those from their from their tree of their roots, their lineage. You know, whether it's the SATs, Amazing Reds, Loki, the Hit Squad, myself, uh, Havoc, uh, you know, uh, Asriel, Ghost Shadow, so many names can't even mention it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, I was I had the best of both worlds. Yeah. So. Take us the 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 brief uh, Reader's Digest journey of from that like nine year old watching Sting versus Ric Flair to walking in the door of Homicide's gym. Oh, it's very funny. Uh, I wanted if I actually I wanted to join um, Killer Kowalski School because I started in 1999. Um, obviously, the internet not being what it is today, I couldn't find an address online, and I happened to be in um I don't know in a magazine store i don't know if the kids know what that is nowadays but i was in a magazine store and i found a pro wrestling illustrated guide to the independence and i'm like what the hell is the independence i only know was the awa uh wwf nwa and ecw so i look in and i see all these companies across the country all these smaller companies and lo and behold i see one in queens new york it was the long island wrestling federation and i went queens is a lot closer than boston where killer kowalski was i go i can't find an address let me go find it. So I went to the school that night with a buddy of mine who said he was going to join. He never joined. Uh, I I joined. Uh, they moved a week later to Brooklyn, 920 Jamaica Avenue. And uh, that's where the infamous Doghouse Arena was. And I started training. And a month later, I had my first match. Do you remember who your first match was with? Yes. Simply the best Andrew Edwards. And it was on July 17, 1999, my 22nd birthday. All right. With these kind of details, we got to ask whether you're the Chris Jericho type where you keep a journal of every single match that you've had and the winner. Bro, I wish I did. I did not. I did not. Mm. And even after I read Jericho's book, I said I should, and I still didn't. Yeah, I've been wrestling. In July of 17 this year, it'll be 25 years I'm wrestling. And my kids mm. asked me, how many matches have you had? And I couldn't give them a number. And I said, if I did one match a weekend... For 25 years, let's do the math right now. Hold on, let me open up this computer thing in my in my hand. All right, we have 52 weeks a year. 52 times 25 in July, I'll have over 1,300 matches under my belt. Not mentioning multiple matches I had during the week, or tours that I did overseas, or practice matches at training and stuff like that. So, it's like man, changing, oh man, it's like changing socks now. Yeah. <laughs> put it this way if I, if I got a call I'm sorry to cut you off if I got a call right now from uh, from Triple H or from Tony Khan or from anybody TNA MLW New Japan or even Billy Corrigan himself hey we need you tomorrow come down we're going to put you in the main event against our, our top ace I have no problem stepping into that ring making him look like a million dollars and it's not me being cocky just being confident no, oh, no, we've, we've, I've, I've at least been marathoning your video, and there, I have no doubt in my mind about that. Thank you. Do you get any nerves at all uh, at this point, or is it just kind of like changing your socks, like you said, when you step in the no, ring? No, no, I still get nervous before every match. I do a little prayer um, because the way I look at it is two things: one, every time I step in the ring, if I'm not nervous or anxious or whatever, I should hang them up. And two, if I step in that ring and I step out of that ring and I didn't learn anything, it's time to hang them up. So every time I'm in that ring, I'm learning something new. And every time I'm in that ring, I'm always always nervous. But as soon as I go through that curtain, it's game time. So yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I was just sitting here running some numbers. Like, there's there's no way that you've worked less than, like, say, 2,500 matches or something like that in that, in that stretch. Because, uh, just like you said, count, calculating multiple matches a night or multiple matches in a week um that's a that's a hell of a lot of <laughs> ring time yeah definitely so, <clears throat> definitely and, I, I, I used to, and before i had 37 kids i used to train three <laughs> times a week so <laughs> yeah i guess they'll take it out of you huh yeah yeah I, hey put it this way i can be in the ring for an hour to 90 minutes not get blown up run circles around all the 20 and 30 year olds but five minutes playing with Legos with my, my kids, I'm a huffing and puffing, <laughs> tapping out. Daddy needs to grab a rest hold, kid. Leave me alone. 
I think Rich has a question later yeah. about your your workout regimen because you are in phenomenal shape. We we are almost exactly the same age. I think you're um, maybe three weeks younger than me, and um, obviously I I don't have to stay in shape, and I definitely do not. Uh, it's like, yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll come back to that one though. Um, okay. So I wanted to I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, you know you had a role in Darren Aronofsky's uh, 2008 film The The Wrestler which won a lot of acclaim for Mickey Rourke and it got an Academy Award uh, you know his portrayal was sort of a down and out kind of former wrestling star I was curious just how that role came about <clears throat> um, it kind of fell in my lap to be honest with you because uh, this is what happened they were auditioning wrestlers and a buddy of mine who was a producer on the movie. Uh, Calls me up. He goes, hey, why don't you come read for a role? And I'm like, I'm not an actor, bro. I have no acting experience. He goes, what do you have to lose? Okay, no problem. So I went in there, uh, auditioned for the role, and I got a call back. They say, hey, we want you to come and do a second reading. I was like, oh, okay. So I went in there, didn't get the role. From what I understand, it was the uh, Tommy, Tommy Suede, the guy with the, with the mohawk. Um, so that was that. Uh, before, and I was going to England for three weeks to go wrestle for uh, all-star wrestling and, um, for Brian Dixon, may he rest in peace. Um, and I get a call before a couple weeks before I leave and it's the production company. They're like, Hey man, we need guys extras for the movie. Do you want to come down and be part of the movie? I said, two questions. One, am I getting paid? And two, where is it? He goes, you're the only ass guy who asked me about money. I was like, that's because it's a business, sir. Sorry. I'm not, I hope I'm not overstepping any boundaries. He goes, no, I respect that. I said, all right, cool. He goes, yes, you're getting paid. And it's in New Jersey. It's a two-day shoot. Okay, I'll be there. And then I walked in there, and they filmed multiple scenes, right? And I didn't know what was going to be in the movie, so I didn't make a big deal about it, right? Um, so when I went to go see the movie, when I went into theaters, I brought my wife and we're watching the movie, and lo and behold, the first opening scenes with the locker room, they, they, they just show me a few times, I have a few, a few lines, they mention my name on the card in the main event where it belongs, and my wife looks at me after the movie, she goes, why didn't you tell me you were you know, in this movie so much? And I'm like, I didn't know, and I don't want to be one of those guys <laughs> who brags about it, and then at the end of the day, everything ends up on the cutting room floor, and my, my elbow is in a scene, you know, and I don't want to be that guy, so... It was what it was. It was a great experience, though. So no, that's awesome. That's and that's a phenomenal movie. It's one of my. Uh, I have a like a, a list on IMDb of my like top one hundred, and that's that's in there for sure. Uh, Rich and I both just uh, yeah. rewatched it, um, kind of leading up. What's so your number cool. one? It was cool. uh, you know you're gonna laugh. It's probably Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. That's uh, a great film. <laughs> Are you excited for the remake? No. But I will watch. I will watch it regardless. I have. I have a. a what else? What do I want to say? I have a reverence for Patrick Swayze that borders on the religious. So uh, I'm not. I'm not convinced it needs to be remade. But I will definitely watch it. Um, I agree with you. So anyway, I have a quick question. Did you get a SAG card out of that? No, and I'll tell oh. you why. I'll tell you why. In order to get a SAG card, you need to get three waivers, right? And if I asked them about it, and they said, you're the only guy who asks about this too. I said, hey, man, it is what it is, you know? I said, my mama didn't raise a fool. So he goes to me, we can give you two SAG waivers because you were only working two days. But then we got to pay you with a check instead of paying you cash under the table. And I said, when do the checks come through? He goes, in a couple of weeks. I was like, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in England. Because as soon as I was done filming... I went to England for three weeks. So I said, just give me the cash. I'd rather have cash in my pocket going to England than waiting for a check a couple of weeks that I'm not even going to have the opportunity to take into the bank till I get home from England. So, no, I didn't get any waivers. Mm. The, this, uh, just out of curiosity, if you're willing to share, how much was the cash under the table that they gave you for this? Oh, I don't remember. It no, was so long okay. ago. Sorry, bud. No, 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 no. That's, that's crazy. Um I was going to ask you something else about that. Oh yeah, so you said you saw the the finished uh, film. Like, do you do you feel like as somebody who spent their life in the the business that it sort of did a good job of of capturing it? Did uh, I mean I know it's Hollywood, but did they get did they get close? How did you feel about it? Um, I I had mixed emotions. I hated the part where they where they exposed gigging, you know, and 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 some of the secrets to me. I I feel that even though everybody knows it's a work. 
people like to be in disbelief. They don't want to know the exact trick from A to Z. It kind of takes the mystique out of it. So whatever. But I mean, let's face it. It's 2024. We all know how everything's done, unfortunately. Um, but you could still be fooled. I just fooled a ton of people at NYWC over the course of three months. And they didn't see it coming. Anyway, um, but regardless, um, I like the film. It could be very, I mean, it is very truthful. It's It could be looked as as a stereotype, though, because then everyone associates the negativity with the business. But again, the, that, that aspect comes within, it's on a per-individual basis. Because let's face it, it's not how much you make, it's how much you save. You can make, I mean, look at Flair, right? He always says, I made a dollar yeah. and spent 10. You know, you could be that guy. Or you could be someone who's smart and makes some money, save some, invest some, put some in a business, you know. It's all up to the individual. So it could be truthful pertaining to certain people. It could be fictional pertaining to others. So, Yeah, and, and the main character has definitely had, like, he's had a, sort of had that, that WWE level fame, right? He's been, like, the world champion and all that stuff. And now it's very like, clear that, like, this this tier of wrestling is, like, a come down for him, and he's trying to, trying to build itself up. Whereas, you know, I think um, for me there's a lot to be said for that like that tier of wrestling, you know, where you guys work the you know, sort of the independent level where um, guys are just out there busting their asses uh, every week um, to entertain the crowd and, and putting on some really good shows. And um, so anyway, uh, it's, it's interesting. I'm glad you're a first um, Hollywood movie star, I guess we've talked to. Yeah. So, or New yeah. Jersey movie star, either way. Yeah. The, the, I always, the, the portrayal of him being kind of a shitty father and stuff like that too, I think is, is um slightly stereotypical i mean obviously look at yourself you've been successful in the wrestling business you've been around for 25 years and you're clearly pretty decent dad if you're getting down on the floor playing legos with your kids and getting gassed from it so um i think it's dangerous to assume that just because people are on the road a lot or something like that that they're necessarily a bad father because i mean you hear you hear the stories about dusty roads and and Ric Flair, obviously, too, that like, and so that kind of stuff sticks in people's minds. And then you see it portrayed in Hollywood and they go, well, that must be true of everybody. So unfortunately, perception is reality, whether it's Hollywood uh, or it's the media, just to touch reality for a second. We're not going to get political, obviously. But point is, um, it's Hollywood. They do embellish everything for the sake of the story. So. People need to realize it's a work. Everything is a work in life. Even life itself is a work. So, actually, uh, we we talk about this a lot on the show. I, there are a few like terms uh, that are more useful in in sort of our our current reality than the idea of like shoot and work and kayfabe and stuff. Because like every like you said, everything is uh, everything is a work, and we're all being worked constantly. And if you're uh, you're either in on it or you're a mark, right? So it's like um, anyway, that's. It's going to be my dissertation eventually. Uh. Well, you're not too far <laughs> off. I mean, it didn't, and, and you know, not for nothing. As far as wrestling goes, I'm, I'm I'm the biggest mark because I'm emulating what I saw as a kid. So I'm doing it. You know, yeah. so I, you know, people who look at the fans in a negative light like that, that's not good. You know, but I, I do agree with you. We, the life is a work. Everything everything is a work. It all comes down to to the Scott all the money. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've had the discussion before that like Mark is not necessarily a dirty word, especially when it comes to wrestling fans. It's not. It's it, it, you can you can certainly be a Mark. That's fine. I mean, you want to be a Mark, right? You want to be fooled. You want to be uh, entertained and distracted and pulled out of the real world into this world where uh, fighting in your underwear in front of people solves conflicts that don't really exist anyway. Um, so, uh, I don't see an issue with being called a Mark. I'm a big Mark. I'm a big fan. I love, I love everything with wrestling. So same here, same thing with comics and Star Wars and sports and movies. So, yeah. So, um, you've mentioned working with, uh, WWE and we know that you've worked with AEW in the past. You've had a couple matches on AEW dark on YouTube and, you know, you've been in the business 25 years now. Uh, we've watched you uh, have excellent matches and just incredible, impressive ring work 
and you clearly have impressive experience and connections, and I've even watched you win uh, matches over some of today's biggest stars, like Eddie Kingston uh, and Goldust and stuff, and so, and then you take your mic work, too, on top of that, and I just find it hard to believe that, like, WWE or AEW has never come knocking on your door to to come to uh, uh, training or, or any kind of thing like that. Have you have you had that opportunity or anything? Um, I wish I had a dollar every time someone asked me that question because I'd be a millionaire right now. Honestly, um, with AEW, I had my I had three dark matches, one during the pandemic, and then the two recently last year. I mean, was it in twenty twenty two? At the end of twenty twenty two, yeah. So like fourteen months ago, whatever. And every time I went there, I got nothing but great feedback from everybody, from the agents, from the boys in the back, from the powers that be. Nothing happened. Uh, mm-hmm. I got to the point where I even asked. I said, "Hey, man, what do I need to do to get a contract?" And I have one. And the person I was talking to told me, "Well, there's no, there's no formula. Um, you know, it is what it is. It, you know, if they want to give you one, they'll give you one. If not, if not." As far as WWE goes, um, around 2020, 12, 2013, 2014, I think 20, let me see, I'm six, seven, eight. Yeah. So maybe, maybe around 2016 was the last time I did anything with them. I was supposed to go down to the PC. William Regal pulled me aside. We had a great conversation. He wanted to send me down the same time Kevin Owens went down, but he says that booked, that batch of tryouts is already fully booked we'll send you on the next one just let the office know and let the office know and they're like all right we'll send you on the next one we'll call you a couple weeks before to set everything up a couple of weeks before i call up and said hey what's going on oh we got put you got pushed back okay another month got pushed back third time i called we're not interested what the fuck okay a year a year goes by i hit up william regal and i said hey i'm sorry to bother you I said, I don't know if you remember me, but you know this never happened. I just want to know that I do something wrong. Did I did I insult anybody? Did anyone did I rub anyone the wrong way? He said, No, this is this is this shouldn't have went down like this. And he went to bat for me again. And unfortunately, I mean it's a big honor. William Regal is one of my favorite wrestlers. So yeah. to be to be picked out by him and chosen to to for him to put his stamp of approval on me meant the world to me. Um, and at the time, I think Canyon Seaman was the guy. And he wanted, he didn't want to give me a break because of my age. I was think 38, 39 at the time. And I was mad. Mm. Um, I recently did a tryout maybe a year ago for pro wrestling. Noah, uh, Gabe Sapolsky was there. He does all the stuff for extra work. And Gabby and I, we know each other for a long time. Um, used to work for him in you know, ring of honor, worked for him for evolve, worked for him for dragon gate USA. Um, nice guy. And when we were filling out the paperwork, he goes, yeah, man, I'll give you some extra work. All right, cool, man. I said, maybe I get signed. He goes, hey, you never know. Cool. So what happened was he sends me all the forms and he's like, hey, man, just I, we need your vaccine card. I'm like, I don't have a vaccine card. I didn't get the COVID vaccine. He goes, then that's a deal breaker because we're not we're not we're not hiring anybody or for extras or anything unless they have their their, their COVID shots. All right. Well, I'm not going. I'm not getting it. I'm not. I never got it. So, so all right. Thanks for the opportunity. If things change, let me know. So that's where I'm at with them, unfortunately. So, mm. yeah, that age thing—that's kind of bullshit. Because I mean, look at them taking a shot with L.A. Knight right now. Well, yeah, that's different um, though. That's different because you know. he proved himself. And I, yeah. yo, more power to him, dude. Look, I'm not gonna front. I mean, I'm 46. I'm proud of my age. You know why? Because I have experience. And, and anybody, and I've worked for Fortune 500 public companies before. I know how to act myself. I know how to carry myself in a professional environment. But most importantly, I have people to depend on me, my family. So I, I won't be messing around. And on top of that, I know time is not on my side. But at 46, I'm running circles around everybody in their 20s and their 30s, like I told you guys before. And I don't even look 46. So no. when I tell people I'm 46, they're like, no way. You're pulling my leg. I'm like, no, I'm not. So whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I I watched your match with Brian Cage and with uh, Lance Archer, and uh, I don't want to be negative on them, but honestly, you kind of carried them through those matches, and you looked incredible. You made them look good, and you made yourself look good, and it's just, 
I don't like that it wasn't in the cards for you. I don't like that. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the compliment. Both those guys are great guys outside the ring. I know Brian for a long time. I didn't know Lance. I met him. Great guy. But the cool thing is they both were very generous. I could have went mm. in there and got, got squashed in 30 seconds, and they didn't care, you know, but they gave me time to to shine, and they booked me as a baby face, obviously, because the, the signed guys, they were heels, but yet they got cheered because they're known from TV, and whatever. But the point is that whatever I did, I did. I went to the back. I got nothing but positive reviews, like I said, from the boys and from the agents. They just didn't offer me a contract, so... It wasn't my time, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm not walking away from the table because if you walk away from the table, you'll never get a winning hand. Damn right. I mean, uh, uh, Tim Starm, well, he was in WA champion at like 51, right? You know? Something like that. So uh, it's still there's still time for you, I think. Well, um, put it this way. I want to be the first Greek to be the NWA champion. And since the Greeks invented professional wrestling, it kind of goes hand in hand. It kind of tells a good story, if you know what I mean. You got to do it. It's got to be there. Um, so speaking of which, I, 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 when Tim said, we're going to talk to you, I started, you know, I'm a librarian. I started digging and then I was like, holy crap, this guy has been around forever. I can't, I can't believe it. And so, and now you're saying that you're 46 years old and the, and you work like you're 30. Um, what, what is your workout regimen? How, and your physique seems to have gotten better over time too. Um, wh- what is, what is your secret to this? Well, unfortunately for me, when I was younger, I came from a mother who knew how to cook. And if you don't eat in a Greek household, just like an Italian household, you're insulting people. So I was a little fat slob growing up. Um, but the secret to my success is passion. Um, going to the gym is therapy for me. And if I didn't have that or professional wrestling, um, I don't know where I would be able to find my exodus, if you will. So I'm in the gym almost every day, five days a week. Uh, I hate cardio, but I do walk. I walk about 45 minutes on on the treadmill, 15 incline. Um, I jump rope. And I just downloaded a new app about a month ago called Better Me, which is like a calisthenics app. So I'm starting to do calisthenics like 15 minutes a day, whatever the case may be. But other than that, my training regimen is very simple. Two body parts a day. Uh, I do legs earlier in the week. Legs has its own day. And I'll do back and buys, chest and try, shoulders, and repeat the cycle again. And like I said, five to seven days a week, I'm in the gym on top of wrestling every weekend. Yeah, because, I mean, you can't maintain the name Greek God, right? You can't keep that up if if you're 46 and you're walking around with a beer gut, you know? Unless so. I do the Playboy Buddy Rose gimmick, so... Oh, true, true. You know, true. that'd be great. Some of these people don't know who that is, but that's their loss. <laughs> I think the people that listen to our show will will know. Awesome. Um, I mean, Very we good. are the archives, so... Um, yeah, and uh, before before we move on to the, the real question here, uh, earlier you had made mention of something about Leg Slap City or something like that. Um, ah. Are you a fan or friend of uh, Jack Vaughn? I... Don't know him personally, but I love his videos because yeah. they are, even though it's done in satire, it is the truth. I hate with a passion, capital H, people who slap their legs in their matches. It makes no sense whatsoever. I tell people before we wrestle, if you slap your leg, I'm not selling it. I don't give a fuck who it is. It could be Triple H. Sorry, buddy. I'm not selling it. Point is, and I know people are like, oh yeah, bullshit. Look, the if HBK slaps his leg on a, on a, on a super kick, he disguises it. You can't see it. It doesn't matter. And that's the only time he's doing it. So that's going to be the loudest pop in the match. You have kids today who are wrestling in there, and they're not working. And to me, I'm a worker. I work the crowd. I get them in the palm of my hands, and I make them feel a certain way at a certain period in the match, and I build off of there, or I bring them down, and I build them back up, depending on the story I'm trying to tell. And that's a lost art. People nowadays, they'll try to orchestrate their matches from A to Z in the back, and they're wearing knee pads and kick pads and long tights, and they'll hit somebody with a kick or a knee, and they'll slap their leg for the sound, 
Why? Because, you know, if you're wearing a cushion knee pad and you knee someone in the face, it's going to make a sound because cushion on skin actually makes a slapping sound. Right then and there, you're exposing your stupidity and the business within itself. That's just called science. But most importantly, let's face it, if you're getting kicked 37 times to the head and you don't sell it, but you get chopped and you sell that like a gunshot, there's an issue, especially in a match. This past Saturday, I had a match where it was built up to where it was a grudge match. And I told the guy, we're not wrestling. We're just going to go out there and fight around the ring, and we'll go right into the finish. We did that. And I'm throwing haymakers like Holyfield and Tyson, not hurting the guy because I know how to work, but because we're wrestling it, you know, around the ring in front of the fans, we got to be extra snug. And I told you, I'll be snug and I'll hit you safe. Don't worry about it. At one point, he chops me. I look at him. Bang! I gave him a nice little knuckle sandwich right in the face. And then in the back, I go to him, bro, why did you chop me? He goes, what do you mean? I said, do you chop in a real fight? He's like, oh. I'm like, yeah, bro, you got to think like it's real. Think like a shoot and then act like a work. You know what I mean? Or execute like a work and act like it's, like it's a shoot, whatever you want to say. So that's what it was. And that's what I do. So, it's a lost art form, man. Really, it really is. Yeah, it's uh, similar to um, Ron Simmons was on Stone Cold's um, uh, TV show at one point, and he talked about like, yeah, if I got to work stiff to make it look real, then I'm going to work stiff. Hit me, and I'm going to hit you. And exactly. that's just that's just the game. And I I always think back with that kind of stuff to um, WrestleMania three with Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. And if you're watching that match closely, Hulk is really hitting Andre. Because if he's not, there's no way it's believable to the crowd that he's chopping down a seven and a half foot tall, 500 pound man. You see Andre's sweat flying off his chest because Hogan's really hitting him. I agree. A hundred percent. Again, lost start. It's good to hit people hard or hit them snug in safe places. Don't be unsafe. Like I take my... There's certain mantras in this business that I follow. Like, and these are two of them. I'll just send them real quick. One is vanilla chocolate strawberry, right? Different flavors of wrestling. My my wrestling flavor is reality. And the second mantra I have is that people may believe that wrestling's not real, but they'll believe GGP is real. And I stole that from Johnny Valentine. Um, give the man his props. And that's a fact. Because when people leave the show, whatever show I'm on, they always remember me. Because of the emotional connection. And the fact that they think I'm really an asshole. Because 10 out of 10 times I'm the heel. And that's my job. And I'll make the baby face look like a million dollars. Get him over. And subliminally get myself over. And I don't have to quote unquote get my shit in. And slap my leg like a trained monkey who's taught to wrestle. No. I'll go out there sunshine and I work. Yeah. I mean uh, the first VCW show that I went to with Tim. I was like Jesus that Greek guy's a dick. Thank my you. God. You know, like, like, man, that's impressive. I hadn't seen anybody work a crowd like that in a very long time, even on TV. So uh, you definitely make the show fun. Well, thank you very much. That means a lot to me because then I'm doing something right. Now, if the powers that be in the big companies realize, hey, we don't need to hire these 120 pound guys who are soaking wet with rocks in their pockets. You can do flippity doodahs and here I come on you's then we can hire a guy that can tell a story and get everybody over and work the main event style. Thank you. You caught that one. There you go. Hell yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I got one last question here for you. I'm, I'm, uh, besides a librarian, I'm a music nerd. I got a degree in music and stuff like that. Uh, but, um, your theme song is the duel of fates. At least the opening of it is the duel of fates from, the prequels of Star Wars. Uh, your social media is normally flooded in Star Wars memes. Um, I, so I assume you're a Star Wars fan. And uh, so I got to ask you what drew you to pro wrestling. I kind of feel like it's got to be its similarities to to pro wrestling. Or Star Wars. What drew you to Star Wars? It's similar to pro wrestling in some way with its storytelling. Um, um, as you could tell behind me, you know, I have the McFarlane poster right behind me. You guys saw earlier, my, 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 my man cave down in my basement where I'm sitting at my here when I record my podcasts. Um, 
is a plethora of nerd stuff. I am a big comic book guy. I draw comic books. Um, I have like 12 long boxes that I'm looking to get rid of because I have about three to 4,000 comic books that I, that I have bagged and sealed. I don't even know what I have, but I have a ton of stuff that's worth a lot of money. I have about 10 Ikea cases full of sideshow, gentle giant statues of Star Wars, Batman, Wolverine, X-Men. Listen, I'm a nerd and I'm proud of it. So, but ever since I was a little kid, I mean, good guy versus bad guy, right? David versus Goliath. Uh, It's it's wrestling's like a superhero movie come to life. You know, Uh, Star Wars, I don't even remember the first time I saw it, but I do know that ever since I was a little kid, six, seven, eight years old, I was hooked to the point where I have my own Star Wars podcast called The New Force Order, the NFO. It's the NWO logo, but you take out the W, put an F on it because I'm a big NWO mark. Um, And we're all over the place. We just did an episode last night. Uh, We're on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. Anywhere um, anywhere podcasts are available, the NFO is available. And it's not your typical podcast because myself and my co-host, Dr. Alex Arroyo, and my other co-host, when he comes in time to time, Spiros Antonopoulos, we're guys from the uh, Generation X uh, era. We're not snowflakes that play by the numbers. We'll we'll say jokes. We'll bust each other's balls on on the podcast. And, you know, it's not PC friendly, but it's a fun time. So I guarantee you, you listen to it, you guys will die laughing. And that's what we set out to do. You know, whether our opinions on Star Wars match yours or not, who cares? It's just a conversation about a galaxy far, far away. And then I have another podcast I do from time to time called The Conspiracy Horseman. It's myself, Stevie Richards from BWO, Big Sal Graziano from the FBI, and Bin Hamin. Um, Four pro wrestlers. We hardly talk about wrestling. We just talk about questioning the narrative, being a free thinker, and conspiracy theories. Uh, we were on, literally, on fire every week for like three and a half years, and then we got shadow banned. Now we're starting to come back, and we've done shows sporadically here and there because of everyone's schedule. We just did one, I think, about maybe three weeks ago, a month ago, about the aliens that showed up at the mall down in Florida. We touched base on that. You know what I mean? Um, so check us out. Conspiracy Horseman. That's on Rumble because everything keeps shadow banning us. And New Force Order on every plat- plat- platform that has podcasts available. I gotta look up the aliens at the mall because I need aliens to land here, like stat. Unfortunately, they will land here. I mean, they're already here, but they'll land here, and no one's gonna bat an eye. the The way the world is today um, is ridiculous. Everyone's attention is so minimal because of technology and because of these stupid phones that. We can have aliens land on the White House lawn right now and do a two out of three falls match and no one would care. You know what I mean? There's an analogy that Jim Jim Cornette used to say about watching two dogs fuck on the side of the road. I don't know if you guys ever heard that analogy. Yeah. Okay. So the same thing with the aliens. People are like, oh, it's only aliens. You know, what's on TV tonight? Let me watch Desperate Housewives or watch Kardashians or or CNN or Fox News or whatever nonsense is on TV instead of worrying about what's important. But I digress. All right. So uh, Star Wars hot take about the um, the Lucas re-releases in the 90s. Um, the special editions? Yeah. Um, I'm not against them. I like them. Could he have not done a couple of things? Yeah. But again, they're his stories. And he gave us so much great stuff. So if he wants to tweak something here and there, let him. In my head, Han always shot first. Well, yeah. You know? That's that's actually the only thing that bothers me is Uh, that one. McClunky or not. And you know what I mean? And whatever. It is what it is. But again, it's his stories. I think they should special edition the prequels and update the uh, special effects because they're dated. Yeah. If you, and if you could leave out, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jar Jar. Jar Jar. I'd be happy. So. Well, there are edits on YouTube of Jar Jarless uh, prequels, and they're they, pretty entertaining. I tried to look them up. They 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 took them down. Are they gone? Oh, that's yeah. too bad. Yeah. Um, 
What? How about the dark theory, though, that Jar Jar Binks is actually a Sith Lord? That was interesting. I mean, it's never going to play out. They even had a comic book that they showed that he had a daydream or he had a vision where he was a Jedi and he picked up a lightsaber and took out uh, a couple of uh, troopers. So could it be true? Maybe it was at one point, but, you know. Uh, you ever see Tropic Thunder, the, sh- the movie? Yeah. Remember when they tell Tropic Thunder, never go full retard? Well, they went full, yeah. re- they went full retard yeah. with Jar Jar Binks. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? They sure did. They, they went a little bit too far with him. And unfortunately, it's not... It's not the actor's fault because the actor did a great job. Um, I forgot his name. Something best. Um, but you know what I mean? Sometimes less is more. It's uh, it's a shame. But, you know, it's Star Wars is still a, a beautiful universe and a beautiful story. Uh, just one last Star Wars question. Toss up. Softball question. Which is your favorite of the movies? Empire. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. That's the Academy Award nominee, I think, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Out of all Listen, of if you... I, I love 4, 5, and 6. I love 1, 2, and 3. Even though number 1 with Jar Jar is my least favorite out of all six movies. 7, 8, 9, eh, I liked them when they first came out. But as time is progressing, more and more, eh, I liked The Mandalorian and I liked Andor. I liked, I loved Rogue One and I loved Solo. Hmm. Um, but unfortunately, 7, 8, 9... They kind of dropped the ball. It was like WCW year two thousand booking with that stuff, you know. You can't, you, you, you can't, you can't, you can't just throw a Star Wars label on it and expect people to like it and, and do whatever you want. You got to have a cohesive uh, storyline. You have to have the movies talk to each other, connective tissue, and they didn't, and that's the problem. So, Book of Boba Fett sucked, you know. Unfortunately, he's one of my favorite characters. Kenobi was a letdown. Yeah. You know, yeah. it should have been a grand slam and it was a double. That's why it was a letdown. It wasn't bad. Uh, you know, they should have just eased off on a couple of things. And there was a lot of bad writing in both those shows that really, really set it off off the rails, in my opinion. But yeah, I kind of felt like they they lacked the style after after Mandalorian came out and was so clearly like a Western. It's a, it's it's Bonanza in space, basically. And you kind of you, you don't know what. The Book of Boba Fett, or um, gosh, his his name suddenly just Obi Wan, uh, uh, Kenobi. That his show. They just kind of lacked that kind of like extra style that makes makes something complete. They just here's a story, great. Well, can you tell it to me in some sort of style? And yeah, be, I, I agree. With, uh, listen, I have my own theories of what's going on behind the scenes like with Kathleen Kennedy and John Favreau and all that stuff. It's very long-winded, so we're not going to get into it, obviously. We, you guys want to talk about it off air, we could. But uh, things aren't copacetic at the house of uh, 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 that George Lucas built. So hopefully things will get better. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter your nationality, your gender, your sex. It doesn't matter what what you bring to the table. All that matters is tell a good story. And that's it. And, and have a good character built for your characters. doesn't matter if the first one-legged Asian person directed a Star Wars film. As long as it's a good director, that's just, you shouldn't just put people in certain boxes because you just segregate more and more. And it just it becomes, it becomes asinine after a while, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, before we move off of Star Wars, I got to share with you my one nerdy Star Wars experience. Oh, my God. Um, I'm dying over here, you guys. So this is actually when I met Tim in person for the first time was in San Francisco at a library conference. Uh, foolishly, he had asked me to present on a panel for him. Uh, but one of the VIP things that uh, a friend of mine hooked us up with was a book release that was happening at Lucasfilms. Um, over at and uh, by the Yoda fountain and in there in the employee cafeteria there, which was absolutely beautiful. And we got to watch the episode seven trailer in George Lucas's movie theater. That's on site there. And I got the meet, uh, Leland Chi as well there, which was, uh, pretty incredible and fun to meet him and there the authors were there talking about new star wars children's books but i didn't care about that too much but they did talk about how they would call leland chi in the middle of the night to ask if there's like chickens on tatooine and uh 
he would think for a minute and be like, yeah, at this moment in episode four, there were some chickens in the background. So yes, they have chickens on Tatooine. And, um, that was just like the coolest thing that I've had happen. Star Wars related. Um, anyways, I just wanted to share that with you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. All right, we're going to circle back around to wrestling. We're gonna, in the <laughs> in the home stretch here. We'll let you get off here sometime. Like, give us the podcast one more time. New Force Order. Yes, right? new for, yes, New Force Order is the Star okay. Wars podcast. And Conspiracy Horseman is the uh, Conspiracy Podcast. All right, right on. So check those out. Give them uh, 5,000 stars and uh, like and download and Or $5,000 would be nice. And $5,000 and all the rest of that stuff. So, all right. So we're going to we'll wrap up with uh, some usual questions that we ask folks when they're on because we're always interested in um, who's your all-time favorite wrestler to, to watch? I don't have one. But I'll tell you a handful that I do emulate myself after. William Regal, Fit Finley, uh, Guerrero, Malenko. Benoit, um, Jericho, Mysterio, uh, Arn Anderson. So those are just a few. Okay, I see. A, I could see a style there. I think uh, kind yeah. of a kind of a mix of like the strong guy and the uh, and sort of the I don't know what I would say. The sort of the technical. Um, that's, that sounds good. Do you have any, uh, you've worked with so many different people over the years. Do you have any favorites you know, to work with, either past or, or present? You know, guys that you feel like you really bring the best out in, in each other? Well, some of my favorite opponents, uh, there was a wrestler by the name of Josh Daniels, who's retired now. He's an actor. He was a, he was one of my favorite opponents. Tony Nese is one of my favorite opponents. Um, let's see, who else? Homicide's always one of my favorite opponents. Um had fun wrestling Punk and Daniel Bryan. Samoa Joe was fun. Nice. Um, uh, MJF was fun. Um, Goldust was always was very fun. Uh, that was a, that was a cool time. Um, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jorge Santi. He's another guy. He's a New York guy. He's now very well known. Very skilled. He's one of my favorite opponents. Asriel from the Doghouse is another one of my favorite opponents. Uh, John Silver is another one of my favorite opponents. So, yeah. listen, I have fun every time I step in that ring. And and I've <laughs> wrestled, like you said, I've done wrestled everyone in ECW from almost everybody, 98%. I still want to wrestle Lance Storm. Um, I've wrestled 99% of the locker room in AEW. Wrestled a bunch of people from WWE back in the day, you know, early 2000s, 2010s. Yeah, maybe a couple people that are on the roster now. Uh, wrestled a few legends here and there, like I wrestled Bam Bam Bigelow, you know. Oh, wow. So, yeah, man. <clears throat> what year was that? I Maybe early 2000s, maybe 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, I don't know. I was still in a tag team, The Solution, with my my my, my, my brother Ed, Havoc, and I wrestled in him, and he was in a gauntlet match. I wrestled him and Chris Candido. Nice. And it was versus, and we had a great match. It was, it was funny story, but great match. So, we're big uh, Bam Bam Bigelow fans. That guy can oh. move. Yo, he was awesome. Yeah, I was a big Bam 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 Mark back in the day. Huge, 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 huge Mark. So you mentioned Lance Storm. Is there anybody else out there that you you'd love to have the opportunity to work with that you just haven't yet? Uh yeah, Jericho. I've wrestled the Bucks. Kenny Omega would be nice. Um. Like to get another another shot with Daniel Bryan one on one. That'd be cool. Um, EC three again, mm. but this time for the strap. Um, listen, I'm I'm down to wrestle whoever. I'd wrestle Roman Reigns and have a good time. You know, <laughs> um, Gunther, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think him and I would tear it up. Sheamus too. Andrew Gallo. Yeah. Uh, you know, just Drew McIntyre. Sorry. Uh, just tear it up. Just tear it up. I just that hard hitting, no nonsense, non leg slapping style. You know what I mean? Just like <laughs> I, I pay said, a dollar to watch that, bro. Finley and Regal. I just I like to emulate a lot of their their hard hitting, you know, in your face, smash mouth type of style, and still be technical with it. So nice. Yeah, I still love that Regal didn't like just like roll over for Goldberg. That's still one of my favorite 
wrestling moments that like William Regals is like, no, no, that guy's going to work. I'm going to make him do it. And, uh, <laughs> Well, unfortunately, it was a situation that he couldn't win with. You can't get 12 minutes out of that guy at that time. He no. wasn't ready for it. You know what I mean? There's only so much a person can do without making themselves look ridiculous and losing. When you have people in that moment, you start doing antics that don't really fit in the equation, you'll lose the crowd, and you don't want to do that. No. All right, so last question for you. Um we started this podcast as all the WrestleManias and our goal was to start a WrestleMania one and, and watch them all the way up through. Uh, we're about, uh, we're a little over halfway there. Yeah. We're up um, to 30. Oh, the next yeah. one's going to be 30. So we're three quarters, three of, the quarters way. of the way there. Um, so we always ask our guests if they have a favorite, uh, WrestleMania. I don't have a favorite WrestleMania, but I do have a couple of favorite WrestleMania moments. Okay. The end of 20 with Guerrero and Benoit in the ring celebrating. That hits me in the heartstrings. Hmm. Um, Daniel Bryan holding the championship belts at the end of 30 was really cool uh, because obviously he earned it and he's a nice guy. Uh, Macho Dragon, you know, Angle, yeah. uh, the, the, the uh, what was it, Kurt Angle, Benoit match? Was that was that WrestleMania or was that Survivor Series? Yeah. I can't even They had a match at. They had a match at WrestleMania. You know, so, I mean, there's so many matches. There's so many matches to pick from. Hopefully one day you guys watch a GGP match in WrestleMania. That's, <laughs> that'd be one of my goals. I, w- I always wanted to headline WrestleMania, headline the Tokyo Dome, win the NWA title, like I said, be the first Greek, defend it in Greece, where it needs to be defended in the motherland, where it all started. Come on, that's money right there. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. New York's not far from Philly. Have you? Did you buy tickets? Hell no, bro. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I was supposed to listen. I was booked for an event on April fourth called the Rex the Rex Fest. Fortunately, it got canceled. So now I have openings for the fourth and the fifth. So any promoters out there wanna book me for those for those dates? Hit me up. Uh, you can find me on social media, whatever. But um. I'm not going to go to WrestleMania unless I'm booked. Damn right. That's the right attitude. Yeah, fair, that's fair enough. Well, so if you want to catch the Greek god Papadon before he hits WrestleMania and just blows up beyond all recognition, uh, you can catch him here in uh, in the Hampton Roads area March 9th at the Hampton High School. Uh, tickets and more at vcwprowrestling.com. Uh, lots of great matches on the card there. He's going to face off against Chris Slade and Dirty Money in a three-way match. So we wish you the best of luck with that one. I think you'll uh, hopefully you'll come out on top with those guys. Uh, any, uh, any last words? words or last thoughts before we wrap it up here uh yeah chris Slade, dirty money i'm gonna hurt you guys very 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 bad and and if that peanut head (laughs) teddy long sticks his nose in my business because he's done that before on other events and other shows he's been on i'll I, i have to respect the seniors but I don't mind smacking him around as taking his AARP check. You know what I mean? So he better watch himself. You better recognize, player. <laughs> player? All right. You better be careful. He's going to make you fight The Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> you that's got one, him now. That's one thing we learned. The, the Greek god will fight anybody anywhere. He doesn't even really need an excuse. So, all right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we are the Wrestling Archives. You can find us on the web, wrestlingarchives.com, all the usual podcast apps, uh, all the social medias. You know where we are. You'll check us out. Drop us an email. Uh, we're happy to hear from our listeners. Happy to answer questions on the air. So, for today, I'm going to thank our guest one more time. Can I just plug my, my, my social media? Hit it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. It's at Greek God Papadon on X and on Instagram and on threads. Demetrius Papadon on Facebook. Greek God Papadon is the YouTube channel with the matches and promos. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, likes, all that stuff, comment. Pro Wrestling Tees slash Greek God Papadon. Go get your Pro Wrestling T stores. Uh, go to my Pro Wrestling T store and go get your GGP t shirts. They're the best t shirts in the stores. So you'll be the coolest kid in your school, even if you're in uh, Virginia. You know, you'll look very sexy for your sister. So when you guys get married, get married with your GGP shirt on. All right. 
We better wrap it up there before yeah. the uh, Commonwealth comes and uh, confiscates our microphones. Follow ah. that uh, YouTube channel, though. See some legit we're working wrestling there. That's good stuff. And uh, thank you very much for coming down off of Olympus to grace us with your presence tonight. We certainly appreciate it. Well, thank you for the opportunity, gentlemen. I'd like to come back again and talk, talk some more uh, wrestling or some more Star Wars or whatever the case may be. <laughs> always. Always. Yeah, we have an we'll open door policy. We'll do a mix. All right. We're going to sign up for now. I'm Tim. I'm Rich. We'll see you, everybody. Bye.